Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with just Laurent. It is Wednesday, December 28th. We just completed the Boxing Day fixtures. In this episode, we're going to talk about City. Jack Reel is driving me fucking bonkers. All the results going chalks with all the big boys winning. And we will review where we are with the relegation battle after Everton's collapse versus Wolves. But first, it's time to live up to clickbaity titles and talk about the great and powerful Toon Army. I am in love with Newcastle United. I don't think there's any reason why they can't throw their name into the hat and win the Premier League just as much as Arsenal, just as much as Manchester City. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But do they have as good a chance as anyone else? Yes. And here are their credentials. They, along with Arsenal, only have one loss all year. One. Second, they have a bona fide top-level defense. They have given up. Are you ready for it? The least goals in the league. Newcastle United are winning with the best defense in the Premier League. Nick Pope, Botman, Byrne, Cher, and Trippier are incredible. Trippier leading the attack has not been beaten on his side, has not made an error giving up a goal. We have Byrne on the far side, a center black who runs like a deer and looks like Peter Crouch. Nothing gets by him. He wins all the headers. Then you have Cher, a ball-playing, goal-getting center back, and then Botman, the quiet giant that every team in football wanted, and he is key to their also to their defense. It's quiet. You watch Newcastle, nothing ever bothers them. Then on the other side, they've got Nick Pope, who's an incredible goalkeeper, the England number two. It could be argued he should be the England number one. Then right in front of them, He's got Gumaresh, Joe Ellington, and Joe Willock, a strong defensive group who don't sit in front of their back four and defend. They're defending way out in front. The whole defense is pushed up. They're never getting into trouble. And when they do, they have the power and pace to defend anything and kick the shit out of everyone. I love Joe Ellington. I love everything he does. I love the idea of he was a German pressing striker who wasn't really a striker, and Eddie Howe saw in him something that others didn't see. Not only that, they don't have moves to make. They don't need to make any moves. They have all the reinforcements they need. They've got the change of pace in Alan St. Maximin, who's injured and in and out, but he's the perfect player to bring off a bench for a team that's got Almiron and Wood and and Callum Wilson, and who's their left-sided guy? I have to. <laughs> I can't even remember who's on the left side of their attack, and I'm telling you that they're going to win the league. But, <laughs> but um, Newcastle United are just fun. They're right there with anyone else who you would expect. It's just a great little team. There's no reason why this team can't win the league. Another reason they can win, they have no European football. We've seen this with Chelsea. We've seen this with Leicester. When you don't have European football it and you have a good team, it makes it a lot easier to win. They 
are humming, flying, and going. With Trippier in the back, leading the team, got that shit housery ass-kicking that you need to try and win games. I'm just finding my, my little left winger here. They're number seven. Let me just get this right. Chris Wood, who's in the back there? Oh, they had Longstaff in the back there with with um, Gumaresh and Willock this time. Oh, it's it's Ellington who plays on that side. Okay, I had that wrong. Um, but whatever the case, sometimes it's Murphy. Sometimes it's Alan St. Maximan. Depending on how they want to play, they're super flexible. They can play however you want to play. And Eddie Howe, in Eddie Howe, they have a manager who we saw play a progressive style of football, push his team forward at Bournemouth, get his good wins, keep the league, keep the team in the league a few years, and then just run into an injury-laden season. His buys never really kicked on for him at Bournemouth, and the team got a little bit stale. Um, But having listened to him on the uh, Higher Performance podcast, the really good British podcast from the host of ITV, I can't remember his name. It's fine. Uh, he he's said that you know he really took his relegation very hard, and he looked inside himself and wanted to find the answers about what happened to me. Why wasn't I able to get my team to perform? Um, looked into the mental health aspects. Looked into how to motivate players. Really went back and doubled back and learned all the things he needed to learn. And started writing everything down and taking a journal and creating a dossier of things he would do differently when he got his next job. And he didn't take the first job that came along. I'm sure he was up for Leicester job, Everton job, uh, Spurs job, whatever. Whatever job you could think of. Eddie Howe was on the short list, but he wasn't even around. He waits, he waits, he waits. He takes this Newcastle job. They're in bad shape. They do a couple of smart buys. I think that the Gumaresh Bruno Bruno buy was big, but Dan Byrne and 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 Chris Wood were okay. They were taking away from local rivals, but nothing crazy. And Trippier was had been good for Spurs and was playing top level football with Atletico, but you know he wasn't even playing for Atletico. But here he is. He's got Newcastle there, and there's no reason why Newcastle United can't win the Premier League. They're five, they're six points back. Sorry. Yes, they are seven points back of Arsenal. They have a game in hand. They're ahead. They played one extra game. But again, they don't have any losses. They have the same amount of losses. They have the best defense in the league and they have players to integrate and they have a window to see what they want to buy. The question I'd have is, do you disrupt the group? I don't know, but that's where I'm at. Okay, let's go to the scores. This is the world-famous Boxing Day, which we came up to, and we will go in order. The first game of the day, Brentford 2, Tottenham 2. Tottenham relive their same issues over and over again. They give up goals because they can't defend, and then all of a sudden Conte says, hey, we need to go score some goals. And, of course, Harry Kane leads them back, and they do get their win be- from uh, Hoiberg and Kane with the goals. Drawing 2-2 at in East in West London. A good draw if you'd looked at it in the past, but the way Spurs are playing, they are now tenuously holding on to fourth. Then Everton won Wolves 2. Oh my God, Everton. 
Frank Lampard now in real trouble at the foot of the table. Everton give up a goal in the last kick in the game to Aiton Nori. Painful, painful. They're pushing for the win and blow it. Then Fulham defeat Crystal Palace in a London derby. I thought this game would be better, but Palace just didn't have anything. Terry, they finished the game with nine. Fulham, Mitrovic, no problem. Then my beloved Newcastle, my new new team, who this, uh, win on the road at Leicester to a Leicester team that had been not giving up any goals. They win 3-0. Uh, goals from Wood, Almiron, and Joe Linton. Of course, Almiron, Almiron scores every week. He's now up to nine goals, leading the team in goals. Seems to score every week. Then my beloved Brighton defeats Southampton. They're back at it. They're playing well. Lalana, an old goal, and Solly March with the screamer. James Ward-Prowse gets a consolation goal. And when we talk about relegation, we're going to be talking about Southampton. They lose at home with their new coach, Nathan Jones, who I didn't have earlier in the week because I had forgotten he was the coach. Then the terrible and evil Liverpool defeat Aston Villa at Villa Park 1-3. Liverpool were good in this game. I think the takeaway from this is um, Mo Salah scored early. Van Dijk scored a good, nice goal. Then the late goal from Bajasic even though he's Spanish, along with a consolation goal who had it. It was 1-1 at the break with Ollie Watkins getting one. Um, (sighs) Liverpool won. That's all that matters. They're moving forward. They gave up a lot of chances. And I would say for Liverpool, they cannot possibly feel great about this performance, even though they did win and create chances. The problem they have is Darwin Nunez just can't seem to finish right now. He's he's nearing uh, Alvaro Morata territory. He was in at least four times, pulled it wide nearly every time, and the last one was the worst one. But if I were a Liverpool fan, I wouldn't worry too much. He's at least getting there. Uh, Liverpool are still having a hard time with that last slot on the left, the uh, Diaz spot. They had Oxlade-Chamberlain there, and they do sign Cody Gakpo away from Manchester United. And he'll probably slot right into that slot so that they can feel good about their attack. Says to me, Diaz and Jota are not coming back anytime soon. Then the beloved um, West Ham went up 1-0, but Arsenal really bossed this game. And every time Arsenal wins, they're one step closer, one less opportunity to lose goals. Their front three all score, Saka, Martinelli, Eddie, and Ketia. And Ketia is particularly nice on the turn. Saka is on a missed shot. That was also really nice. And then Martinelli uh, put one in as well. Arsenal are cruising. Uh, They give up a penalty. Sure, it happens. But they are resilient now and don't really have problems with teams like this. Martin Odegaard is just a goddamn legend. He lives in that uh, right space, just creating problems for everybody. Yesterday, 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 Chelsea defeat Bournemouth. Uh, okay performance. Havertz and Mount both score. Mount seems to get into any team that is managed by anyone, and Havertz needed that goal. Uh, Raheem Sterling onto Havertz. Really nice goal for them. And then Mounts was from outside the box. Nice fired-in goal uh, that he will appreciate for himself. Pulisic also played. Didn't do too much. We had a Zakaria siding, which was nice for him. And um, what's the other one? Reese James, this is another big one, who is coming off an E injury, missing the World Cup, also hurt again, 
he'll probably miss a month. Not fun as he rolled around on the ground crying and sort of sad. Uh, I don't want to give Pulisic uh, love here. It's just like he's just a he's not a Champions League level player. He shouldn't be at Chelsea. Uh, he is, but he shouldn't be. Uh, and then Man United defeat Nottingham Forest 3-0. This is the the Bruno slash uh, Rashford sh- show. Rashford with the first goal. Arsene Martial from Rashford for the second. And then Fred late on a great pass by Casemiro. Casemiro making a difference for Man United. As if anyone didn't fucking know that. Uh, that United needed a holding midfielder and that McFred was never the answer. The pairing of Ericsson and, and, um, and Casemiro has really transformed United. I don't know why anyone's shocked. All of a sudden the defense is better because people aren't at them already. And the ball transitions from front to back much, much, much easier. And then lastly today, um, United uh, Manchester City go to Ellen Road on the return home for Erling Holland. He scores two goals uh, along with a goal from – he scores two. Who's the third goal from? Uh, let me just check here. He scores two. Um, Strook scores one consolation goal. Oh, Holland scores two. Oh, Rodri right at halftime on an amazing break. It's led by Kevin De Bruyne. Is there anything scarier than Kevin De Bruyne on the break? So City Cruz, Holland gets his like return home. They're kind to him. Uh, Phillips gets to play. There's a little bit of a controversy there. Phillips is fat. Phillips is getting made fun of. Phillips, uh, former Leeds guy, is there and available. Wow, I cruised through my... Newcastle thing. I cruise through my scores, uh, and I'm gonna move through to the individual games now. Narrative-wise, this was not a narrative-changing week. All the big boys won. They hold serve, uh, so we can pick which teams got their win and moved their story closer to a more interesting place. And and I chose Newcastle this week because um, I just think that when we talk about the Premier League, we have historical precedent for a handful of clubs, right? We talk about the big six, Spurs, Spurs, Arsenal, United, City, Liverpool, Chelsea. That's the narrative Those are the teams that drive the league. Uh, What happens to them becomes a story. Whoever's up, whoever's down. And with this new team, this new sort of gate crasher, we had a a moment there where Leicester looked like they would be gate crashers, but the pandemic really put a hurting on their finances uh, and sort of broke their narrative. But now we have the great and powerful um, Newcastle who are owned by the Saudis. And while they have spent some money, I don't think that they've gotten the vitriol that City and Chelsea got when they came in. It just, they were such a downtrodden club under Mike Ashley that I think there's something positive and nice about seeing St. James's Park in full swing and the team moving in the right direction. But I think right now we've got to look at that top four slot for, um, Newcastle as real. Uh, There's no reason. There's nothing, you know, if you remember way back, there was a season where 
Newcastle finished fifth. I think it was 2011-12 under Alan Pardew. And, you know, it felt like it might be a new dawn or whatever. But everything underlying that team said that this was fake. They had a positive goal differential, but only just. Their XG was way off base. Essentially, Papi Cisse and Dembaba went insane for four months and they finished fifth. So it was luck driven. It happened. It's not that it didn't happen, but there's a reason why Papi Cisse never scored 15 goals again because he wasn't that good. He just had a moment. It has happened. Lester had a moment um, yeah, when they won the league. They had a couple things happen, break their way. But when you when I look, and the reason why I said there's no reason Newcastle can't win the league is when I looked at the underlying numbers and the XG and all the things, you know, whatever, we, we can say what we want about XG. But what XG does is it confirms what we see with our eyes. When you look and you watch Newcastle United, they look like a team that knows what they're doing, has a plan, has the right players in the right spots. And what made it different was we didn't know some of those players could do the jobs they were asked to do. We didn't know Joe Ellington could become a pressing ball-winning midfielder who could run all day. We didn't know Miguel Almiron was going to start finishing like he was Mo Salah. We didn't. We knew Gamaresh. Bruno was good. Bruno Gamaresh was good. He's a he's a Brazil international. We knew he was good, but would he be allowed to play the way he wanted to? And you know, sometimes French league stuff doesn't translate, but it is translating for him, and he is bossing and controlling the games. So what we expected, and then we weren't sure if Eddie Howe had the coaching to be a defensive coach. But he does, because if we remember what we saw from him at Bournemouth, that team did not defend well. They, in fact, gave up tons of goals, but they played similar to what we're seeing now with Newcastle in terms of pressing, in terms of being progressive. They just didn't have talent. They would just get killed going going the other way. But this team with Botman, with Byrne, with Trippier, who I think Trippier has been the one who's going to raise his stock. I think Spurs fans would probably like to have Trippier back, but maybe Conte wouldn't let him go past the midway line and definitely wouldn't let him cross anything. But he's a veteran right back who can cross, who defends well, who knows where he needs to be. He's just got that nous of like, I am a top right back, a winning right back in a modern game where I go forward and I can defend from my position. That's all we want, right? That's all we want. And so Newcastle has all those things. That's why I think Newcastle can win. Then we have Arsenal, which are sort of similar in the sense that um, in the sense that they're like Newcastle, in that this is all new. Uh, we've seen the team build. The Gabriel Jesus buy changed a little bit of the culture. The Thomas Partey not being injured has changed the midfield. The movement of Xhaka forward has changed the team and then Odegaard for a full season and the whole thing. And then they were the youngest team in the league. We had been talking about it for the year before why I predicted Arsenal would win. I was like, they're 24 years old and they almost finished in the top four. The whole team is now 25. And so we know that growth while not always linear, if you have progress, you should get better. And they have. Uh, and they have a guy in Odegaard as a leader who has been playing since he was 16. 
And I think that that value of being a pro and being under pressure for that long has helped him. And there are players still to come in. They'll they'll get Jesus back. And then Ketier has suffered. So they have some personal growth within the team, even though they're young players. Saka's missing that penalty in the Euros and getting blasted. That's got to help him grow. He didn't shriek from it. He's playing better again. Uh, I know Mike hates the Saka narrative when when juxtaposed against Kane because, you know, Kane can never be racially abused. That's true. He can't. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but it doesn't diminish the fact that Saka has to deal with that. So cool for Saka. Glad Kane got through his as well. Missed the penalty. Sucked. But you move on. So the underlying numbers for Arsenal are also there. They're the top scoring team in the league. Uh, and then City, we know, uh, at hominem, the depth, the coaching, everything about City is a machine, is a destructive force for the universe. And we know that their numbers are there. So these are the reasons why these same four or five teams are here. And we should keep looking and understand XG and underlying numbers and all these things. And it's why um, when I bring up United and why I used to kill Ollie was that even though they would play well, it was fake. It was empty. It was it was all emotion. It was it was you know vibes. The whole Ole got results for United based on vibes. And once the vibes went bad, the team collapsed. But now with Ten Hag, it's not vibes, right? The again, I'm going to go back to it and sound like a broken record. The underlying numbers, the shot creation, the the creation prevention, the shots stopped, the shots blocked show a team making progress and doing what they're supposed to do. Um, I do want to talk about uh, some of the results and some of the things that went on within the context of the week's games. Um, I'm feeling confident. I feel good. Uh, I got a job this week, so I'm really fucking happy. Uh, and it's in podcasting, which makes it even better. So uh, please give me a shout out. I need, I need, I need the shout outs. But I do want to talk first about Holland and City. This game was frustrating at first for the first uh, 20 minutes because while in the end, at the end of the day, Grealish did set up two goals, he missed three chances before, like really bad. One on a set piece that he didn't seem to know was for him that De Bruyne put right in his path. A tough chance to be fair, but he shot over the bar. And then one sitter that he completely missed and shot over the bar. And I was just like, I fucking had it with Jack Grealish. Please die in a fire. But then, of course, because great players do this, he redeems himself. He picks off a pass, sets up Holland, then sets up Holland for a second one five minutes later. Um, he's involved somewhat on the break of the Rodri goal. No, he wasn't. He wasn't on that one. But that was De Bruyne. Again, the protagonists for City are still there. Um, De Bruyne is just a magician. Holland is a magician. Uh, I thought Leeds played really well. They're just not good enough. Uh, when they make mistakes, when you make mistakes against City, you get killed. Uh, and we will talk about relegation after I get through some of the stories for each team. Uh, United's victory is two wins in a row. Defeated Burnley. Defeated Forest at home. Forest, again, let's just be clear. Forest are fucking terrible at home. They did nothing. But these games... United have to win, and they get their two goals early in the first half, and then they they control the game. And I think that's the thing that I think is probably different about United 
is they're now able to control games. Uh, I think under under Ole, they couldn't control shit. Under under Mourinho, they couldn't. They tried to control, but they couldn't. Having Eriksson, Casemiro, and Bruno as that triangle in the middle, that three in the middle, they just make it easy for for United to control games. They can slow it down. They have when they talk about. I'm learning this slowly. When teams, when you listen to a game and there's a talk about football intelligence, about where to be, it's these ideas of understanding the context of a game and what's needed. Going slow, 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 fast. Going fast, 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 slow. Um, coming to the ball when, when a teammate's in trouble. Uh, finding spaces that aren't obvious, but understanding where your teammate needs you to be. And between Bruno, Casemiro, and Ericsson, you have this fluid motion of players who know where to be. Uh, and then the other piece that I really like, and something that Ian Wright said about Rashford and why Rashford is liked and loved and, and understood is he makes runs. If you ever watch United, he is always starting and stopping, trying to make a run, trying to get into trouble. And what would happen in the past was no one would find him. And now he knows that if he makes a run, Bruno will find him. But I think what Rashford has to learn is when he needs to make those runs. So his football intelligence isn't quite there, but his work rate is there. And he does try and make things happen. Um, the defense worked. Luke Shaw in central defense, no problem. Uh, Varane had to play. Wambisaka didn't make his cross. But it looks like there's depth at fullback for United. They were competent. And again, Forrester not anything to shake home about i still feel like they'll not get relegated but we'll talk about that in a minute liverpool like i said earlier um have to really be patient with nunez i know you want him to be erling holland but erling holland is a once in a generation player and darwin nunez is a good player he's a fine player he scored a lot of goals one season but he did a lot of good things. So Nunez, six shots, four on target. He just couldn't get them to go. So he actually led led Liverpool and XG. I know that doesn't mean anything to anybody. But he's up there in the league this season with, you know, with the top players in the league in terms of um, his per 90 percentages and what he creates and progressive passing and touches in the penalty area. He's incredible. He's right there. Um, he'll get there. He's right there with your Lewandowski's and Thurum's and, and Iñaki Williams and Victor Osimhen. He's in that sort of not super duper megastar realm, but he's in that next group of strikers who can become the super duper megastar. And I'm sure that Klopp is not dying. I mean, basically he's, a goal off of where he should be. And I think, you know, Nunez will come good. Uh, but the, the issue for me was still, and I know Liverpool fans don't want to hear this, your defense is not what it used to be. I don't care what Van Dyke says. I don't care what he does. I don't care how often you guys say it. Between Trent being Trent and Van Dyke diminished, instead of being otherworldly he's now just worldly they're giving up goals and until they stop playing a high line 
and sort of slow down and sort of acknowledge that they need guys to get around the park, Fabinho can't protect them as much and teams do get through. And if Ollie Watkins was a higher quality finisher, he had three shots on target. He would have had two goals. This game would have been tighter. But if Button wins, no matter, right? Liverpool wins. They're just having trouble controlling games because they give up too many opportunities. And that's going to hurt them. And that's why they have not been as good as they normally are. Um, and that's a fact. Tottenham. What can you say about Tottenham? I mean, at this point, they're still in fourth. There's still nine wins, four losses. They're doing fine. They lost the XG battle in this game to Brentford. Never good. That means that you got outperformed. But but I don't think that um, Conte cares about that. Spurs are the only team of the top six or top seven of the teams in the Premier League who are a non, what you would call a progressive side, a non-attacking side. Uh, it's odd because Conte historically was that. I think the Chelsea team he had in uh, in 16 was quite an attacking team, but it had John Terry, it had Courtois, it had Aspilicueta, six year, five years younger, and it had Branislav Ivanovic, and they were still young and they could still defend, and they didn't have Champions League, and they drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled, and Victor Moses ran up and down and up and down and up and down. And the liabilities of uh, Marcus Alonso were held, and Douglas and uh, Costa was a beast, and Hazard created stuff as well as anyone can create. And so he's trying to play that way, but knows his team can't. But he yet he continues to try and play that way. Uh, I don't know the right answer. I don't know that the personnel is there for um, for Conte. They're at least a midfielder short, at least, if they want to try and control games in the middle of the park or play with a four instead of a five. And so we're still we're just going to keep getting these results from Spurs. I would, I, and Mike, if Mike was here, he would tell me, hey, Dejan Kolovchevsky makes a huge difference, and he does. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he makes a huge difference. But Langley doesn't make a difference uh, in defense, and, and Eric Dyer kicking balls backwards when he tried to kick them forwards where they give up a corner to the greatest corner set piece team in the league for Ivan Tony's goal doesn't help. And so um, Spurs again had to come back to try and win a game and they're, they're hanging on, but they need to find form soon or they're very soon going to fall out of the top spot. I like them. I think Conte is a good coach. You know, I just, I just wonder when he's going to sort of let it go and just be like, you know what? Let's just let these clowns play. But right now, uh, United are a point behind them with a game in hand. So Spurs have had are on those 16 games just barely hanging into the top four. Uh, and they don't, even though they're only two points behind City, uh, sorry, five points behind City. Uh, weird, weird situation for them. So we covered Liverpool, we covered United, we covered Spurs. We covered Arsenal. We covered all the groups. Uh, Chelsea are the last one. I don't think Chelsea are really in this conversation yet. I think they're in a transition season out of Tuchelistas, out of the older players. They still have to move on from 
Abramovich's brain trust. We still have to find out what's happening with Bowley. They did hire a director of football. They have made a signing for Mold, uh, Molda at, at 15 million odd signing for Chelsea. Maybe they want to change and try and find value in their buys, but they get a win over after losing two in a row in the league. But the, the losses they had were one nil to Arsenal and one nil to Newcastle. Those are name brand losses. The one that really hurt them was the losing four one to Brighton and they got the doors blown off them. So for them, it's scoring. Uh, they haven't scored only scored two goals in their last three goals in their last four or five games. It's not good enough. Uh, I don't think that I don't think that Aubameyang was ever the answer. I thought Broja was, and now Broja is out. Um, and so we'll see where Chelsea get to under their current regime. I knew Sterling wouldn't score because he lives off of fucking Kevin De Bruyne. I remember in preseason, uh, Rory Smith. A prominent Chelsea YouTuber is like, Raheem Sterling is a guaranteed 15 goals. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> You're not. You clearly have not watched him. <laughs> uh, he's a terrible finisher. He's got the, the old Dutch chocolate leg. He just can't. He doesn't score goals. Um, but we'll see what happens with them. Reese James missing is bad. We know that their creativity comes from the wings. They've got to try and find some central creativity uh, between Gallagher, Kovacic, um, Jorginho, somebody, uh, 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 Loftus-Cheek, someone has to make a forward pass. I mean, the, the silliest thing is Loftus-Cheek is the sixth most played player on the team in minutes. He has zero goals, zero assists with an XG of, of a fullback. So he's just not doing enough. Um, he just needs to be more active if he's going to play. Uh, and it's sort of worrying for Loftus-Cheek, who I think should probably leave the team at this point. Uh, there's a bunch of players that need to go. This team doesn't function. Uh, it's maybe missing its engine. N'Golo Kante being such an important player for them for so long has just broken them, and they can't seem to, to get themselves moving the way they want to. Anyway, on to the great and powerful the secret fun part of this sport that we all love. Uh, and that is the great and powerful relegation zone. Um, right now, the relegation zone looks like no one is cut adrift. So it, this, this thing is very fluid. Um, Bournemouth in 14th around 16, Leeds on 15 and 15th. West Ham on 14 and 16th, Everton on 14 and in 17th, then Wolves, um, Nottingham Forest, and Southampton. Um, from an XG underlying stats perspective, the bottom three should be Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest, and ooh, Everton. So they're actually poorer than you'd expect. And uh, that XG difference is really down to uh, they should have given up more goals. Uh, and Pickford had a first couple weeks of the season where he was standing on his head. But that's come down to earth, which is why they're sliding down the table a little bit. The commonality in these teams is they can't score. <laughs> uh, they're all worried about shipping goals. But if you look at Wolves, 
Wolves have 10 goals total in 16 games. Nottingham Forest have 11 in 16 games. Forest on 14, uh, Nottingham Southampton on 14. So they've scored a bit more. They're the least weak in the XG difference. But that comes down to Hassan Hoodle fucking making magic, making shit out of uh, Shinola. Uh, and then Everton, who are probably the best of these bad teams. Um, Southampton have shipped 10 more goals you would expect, and that's on their goalkeeper. Um, Bazuno is awful. Uh, and we saw that the other day. Um, if they get a real keeper, he's minus eight for the season. If there's a team that needs a keeper, it is Southampton. Get anyone in there. Get a fucking warm body. Uh, and that will turn that team around because of the teams down there, they can score. Jay Adams gets a goal here and there. And um, it's a weird, weird team. I don't know what the new coach is going to do, but Bazuno has got to go. Uh, if I'm Southampton in the window, I'm finding a keeper. That's all I care about. We know about Forrest. Forrest are still trying to figure things out. I'm going to keep shouting the praises of Cooper uh, until it it really slides away. And then we have Wolves with Lopetegui. He's the best manager out of this group. And then Everton probably have the most talent and institutional strength, but they have the worst manager. Um, so they get dinged there. And then West Ham are just too good. I mean, their XG is plus two. Uh, their XG against is plus two, but they're at minus seven. Their problem is they've created enough goals to score 19, but only... So they, they've... They're, they're underperforming both on goals four. So they have scored 13. XG says they should have 19. And then they've given up 20. XG says they should have only given up 17. So for them, uh, and usually this is true of all the teams at the bottom. The reason why they're down there is because they don't prevent goals that they should prevent and score goals they should. So this is very normal uh, for these types of teams down here. Um, but it does give you a sense of the underlying strength. And, and for my... Proof that this usually works. Brighton under Potter were like this. They underperformed their goal-scoring XG like crazy. They were in the bottom half, and their XG was like plus five. And I kept telling everyone, I'm like, this team is good. This team is good. This team is good. This team is good. And what happens? Now their XG, now they are in seventh, and you can see where they are. So you could, you can, it doesn't always work, and it's not perfect. But you can see where I might come from here uh, on, on this one. And with Bournemouth, Bournemouth is also an outlier. But listen, the points are in the book, right? This is only directional when I talk about XG. It doesn't mean that the team is better or worse or will go down or won't go down. It's simply a matter of, hey, this is what the stats say about this team's quality in and of itself. So the quality of their play for Leeds and West Ham is the strongest of these teams at the bottom. And the two weakest are Forest and and Bournemouth. But Bournemouths really come from the 9-0, and they're probably more in line. This is going to be a, a struggle. One good thing for Leeds is they've only played 14 games. So they have a chance to get out of this uh, by winning some games in hand. But they've got to put the teams together. I really like Leeds. I think Leeds will stay. Uh, and if I had to make a choice, and I think I did in the beginning of the season, but it may have changed. I, I wanted to keep South uh, uh, Nottingham Forest, but... I still think it'll be Southampton. 
rookie manager, young team. They don't change their keeper. They're fucked. Nottingham Forest, I'm not seeing enough. And until I see more, I think Nottingham Forest. And then I have a really hard time believing in Bournemouth. They only have a three-point lead on Wolves. Everything underneath them says they're poor. They did just get an owner, a new owner. Um, Michael B. Jordan is one of the owners, which is ridiculous. So Wallace from The Wire is now one of the owners. I see Bournemouth getting pulled into this fight and West Ham, Leeds, and Everton pulling up. I think Everton of Leeds and West Ham are the weakest because they have the worst coach. Um, I think Jesse Marsh is a better coach than Frank Lampard. I know what Dave, with David Moyes will fucking bunker this thing and only play his guys until he gets out of this. Uh, he'll be like, Skamaka, you know, you play well, Pakata, you play well, but we're going to fucking, we're going to muck this shit up until we get out of this. So uh, I think West Ham are okay. They do have 10 losses, West Ham, which is shocking. Uh, they're last in the league, tied with tied with Southampton in losses, which is nuts. Um, but yeah, Lampard, he's the weak one. He's the weak one. Okay, so what did I say? I'm going Forest, Southampton, Bournemouth to go down, um, even though Bournemouth have this three-point lead. I just don't trust the underlying numbers for that team at all. Uh, it would take Solanke starting to score uh, and really move them forward. Uh, I still think Newcastle can win. I really do. They're really good. Uh, and I do have one more thing I want to say to everybody. Please, please, please like and subscribe to the show. Please, please, please give us a five-star rating. If I don't see another five-star rating on this show, I am going to start believing that no one is listening to it. And I know that you are. I know that you're all out there. So if you have been listening regularly and you have not given us a five-star rating on Apple, what are you waiting for? We need it. I want to see new ones. Uh, I, and if you do put it in and give us a five-star rating, I will shout you out in the beginning of the show. I promise you. Uh, and then the other thing is I posted the link to the uh, WhatsApp group. It's very active. It's very fun. In the Facebook page, so Squeaky Bum Time pod page on uh, Facebook, you can find the link for the WhatsApp group. So get in there. That's where the good times are happening. We've been talking about the whole World Cup. We have Manny. We have BJ. We have Dimas. We have Alex. We sometimes have Mike. Um, um, and we have John uh, there and me. And there's a lot of ball busting, as you'd expect. Uh, sometimes political. We try and keep it real. Uh, Mike, Mike likes to Mike likes to tell us how how things should be versus how they are <laughs> or something. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, yeah, everyone should, and Andy, please, Andy Pirate Leary, please get yourself into the WhatsApp group. We need you there. Um, and uh, please, please join us. Uh, and Bobby, if you listen to the show, which I don't, I know you don't, uh, please shout out to Bobby, um, who is a, a runner and has his time with his crew uh, trying to grow his channel as well. So, I'm going to shut this mother down. Congrats to me for getting a job. Please check out Marble with a Y, uh, M-A-R-B-Y-L. Uh, and um, thanks, everybody. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. 
We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a show. And if you're listening on Apple, like I just said, please rate and review the show. We need more people like you. Um, we have games on Friday coming, so be 